This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the TopRopePress.com radio network. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. All right, welcome back to a new edition of Top Rope Nation, presented by TopRopePress.com. I am your host, Ryan Drosty, editor-in-chief of Top Rope Press, as always, and I am joined here by the man who invented the Stinger Splash in the summer of 1987 in a Cleveland, Ohio basement, Mr. Kyle Ross. Kyle, what's going on? I learn new stuff about me every single week on this program. I think I just saw a video of this on YouTube, actually. Yeah, it, it is true. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't injure anyone either. (laughs) So we are just getting into the fall season. And with fall season to me brings pumpkin beers. I know we've talked about beer here on the show before, but before we get to the wrestling, let's talk about what really matters. Pumpkin craft beer. Kyle, do you have a favorite pumpkin beer? I'm going to upset you. We don't disagree a lot on this show, but I'm not, eh. I'm not a huge pumpkin beer. I did mow like a half a gallon of pumpkin ice cream after uh, SmackDown last night. <laughs> In celebration. Yeah, what a show. Nice. What a world. What a All country. Right. But um, no, I don't have a favorite pumpkin craft beer, actually. It is my favorite kind. It's my favorite time of the year. I think I got three or four different kinds on my my bar fridge right now. Wow. Which, if you listen to the show, you know a lot about my bar fridge and all the trials and tribulations <laughs> it's gone through. How's it doing weeks. right now? It's running well. I'm looking at it right now. Seems to be. I don't see any water on the floor or anything, so we should be going good. Uh, I've got Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale in there right now. I've got Schlafly. I've got O'Fallon Pumpkin Beer. I I really like the O'Fallon and the Schlafly though. Those those are two uh, Midwest beers. Actually, both of them out of Missouri. Both. I've never good. heard of either actually. Well, I'll save but, you one if you get to Iowa sometime. Okay. Wow. My game. Yeah. My game is slipping. <laughs> The dogfish I've heard of. Oh, yeah. Dogfish is solid. So, as we said, this is Top Rope Nation. Uh, Real quickly here, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on iTunes. By the way, if you are listening on iTunes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It helps out the show, gets our visibility up there for anyone that's looking for a new good wrestling podcast to listen to. Leave us a review, too. Yeah, five stars. I'm going to just throw that out there. If you can leave us a five-star review, that would be awesome. Yeah, don't leave us a bad review. Always say, <laughs> Otherwise, we'll come find you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. You can also find us on Podbean, which is where this this podcast is hosted, as well as, of course, TopRopePress.com. Speaking about where you can find the show... Uh, this week, Kyle, I launched a campaign. I saw that a lot of podcasts are joining this site called Patreon. Are you familiar with Patreon, Kyle? 
Yes, I just I had just learned about it when you had told me about it. As a matter of fact, like within the hour, I had just like learned about it. And then you sent me, I was like, wow, that's pretty weird. A couple of the shows I listened to, they had they had started some campaigns on there. And I thought, hey, why not? This is a good way for us to maybe improve the show and keep expanding, adding technology to the show. Basically what it is, it's a, it's a way for if you enjoy this broadcast weekly, you can show us you enjoy it by just donating a little tiny bit of money or more if you have discretionary income. Uh, but what we're looking for here is um, for pledges. And basically you go on patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash top rope nation. And there's different levels you can give. Now, this is on a per-episode basis. We do four episodes a month. You can give as little as $1 per episode up through, like I said, whatever you want. We've got different rewards for you the more you pledge. Um, If you do pledge $1 per episode, we are planning on doing some Patreon-only broadcasts for subscribers that donate. Uh, Maybe like some post-pay-per-view shows where we give our thoughts right after the show. Uh, Maybe some shows where we interact with listeners. Um, we, you can pledge $5. If you, if you pledge $5, we'll give you a shout out on the show every week at the close. We'll mention your Twitter handle, your Facebook, whatever you want. We'll promote you. We've got a decent size audience, Kyle. So this is how people can get their names out there. Um, pledge $10 and, uh, we will promote your business or website during the show. And the top level I have right now, $15 or more. If you pledge $15, we'll throw in a free Pro Wrestling Tees t-shirt. I I mentioned this last week. We've got a Top Rope Nation t-shirt coming out. The design has just been finished. I just saw it. You guys are going to love it. I'll send you one for free in the mail if you join at the highest level. But hey, I know people, money's tight. But if you enjoy the show, if you can throw $1 our way, we're talking $1, that'll add up. we're, We're doing pretty well on the download front right now and if just a fraction of the people threw us a bone and chipped in a dollar to our campaign uh, it would really help one of the things we'd really like to add to the show is the ability to take live calls but of course that's going to cost us some money and uh, both Kyle and I we work full-time jobs outside of our professional wrestling fandom if we want to improve the show this is just something we needed to do um, so if you're looking to call into the show, we will invest this money into a live call system so we can take callers, which I think would be awesome as far as like doing a, a live after raw show or an after SmackDown show or yeah. pay-per-view show. It'd be great. So check it out. Patreon.com slash top rope nation. All the, uh, info is right on there. And if you donate 20 or more, we'll just be like Donald Trump and take your money and settle our legal disputes with you. Oh, my God. Let's not even get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll just take the money. And we got a lot of people suing us. So, (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of SmackDown, what an awesome show this week, Kyle. Uh, We had three pretty good matches on the show. It was arguably, I think, one of the best SmackDowns since the brand split. I believe you wrote that in your report. Yep. I would Uh, agree with that. Go ahead and tell us, what do you think was the top match of those three? Oh, I thought it was The Miz and Ziggler. Oh, I yeah. think that was the best match on SmackDown since the brand split. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm forgetting something. Maybe it's a little recency bias there, but it was really, really good. Uh, there was a good near fall towards the end that I know a lot of people bought. Um, on my Twitter feed, certainly, everyone's like, oh, my God, I thought they were actually going to put Ziggler over, uh, which I know I didn't want. Uh, it's probably not a good thing though, when you're like, no, don't put the baby face over, but that's a different story for a different time. 
Uh, they built off the backlash match, which is always good. I wrote that in there. It's nice when you have a callback to previous matches. It makes them seem important. It make you know, when they did, had Maurice with their little spray. I don't know what that spray is, by the way. I don't know if it's mace or hairspray or I was going to ask you that actually. leftover <laughs> arrogance from Rick Martel that he never used oh, or yeah. what. But, um, you know, the ref caught her that that spot where the ref ejects the heel manager always gets over timeless. Um, and Miz wound up using it uh, when they did a, some when he tried getting away um, from Ziggler and they went outside the ring. Uh, I think these two have really great chemistry together. And is kind of dead end as Ziggler is right now as a babyface. I wouldn't mind if they even did another match at No Mercy because I don't know what else they'll do with Miz. But Miz right now is just on fire. And he's the one who actually made that match um, as great as it was. I mean, I, I can't imagine really anyone right now thinking Dolph Ziggler is a better pro wrestler than The Miz. He's definitely a, a more well-rounded wrestler, whether it's, you know, the mic work, whether it's in ring, he's really stepped up his game in the ring. I think he's definitely surpassed where he was a few years back when he held the title going to that uh, WrestleMania in Atlanta. Yes. This is that was, previously that was the best run of his career. I actually really enjoyed his character at that point. But yeah, this is uh he's been doing some great stuff. He's been a highlight on SmackDown every Tuesday. I think I saw you gave the match 4 stars. Which, uh, cheap plug, if you're not checking out Kyle's SmackDown recaps on uh, Top Rope Press, make sure you do that. He's got the match ratings in there at the end of the article every week. So four stars for the the, uh, Ms. Ziggler match this week. I didn't feel that was too generous. I usually like to be a really hard grader. I'm one of those pricks, but... (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I think I remember the first time you did star ratings, one of your reports, and like everything was one star below. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know what this guy's going to give a three. St- how's, how's anything going to be a three or four star match to Kyle? Yeah, you know, I don't like to give those out that often. Yeah. You know? And certainly above four, um, you know, you got really But there's been a few. I mean, I would have given, you know, going back to that Cruiserweight Classic, I would have given, you know, TJ and uh, Ibushi four and a half, if that gives you an idea. Yeah. But uh, this was, I just thought this was really, really good. And the crowd was super into it from the start. And it was something that was pushed from the start, too. That matters. It was pushed from, you know, they had announced it on social media, I think. Uh, late last week, it was promoted on Raw, promoted heavy at the top of the show. That matters. It made the match feel real special when it happened. Mm-hmm. And you had a pretty good tag team match Tuesday night. Um, did you have any problems with the finish of that match? The was, finish? The- no. I had. I kind of had a problem with the presentation of American Alpha overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, again... I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm 62 years old, but I don't think promoting a return on social media an hour before the show is that effective. No. I mean, it's going to reach a diehard audience for sure. But, you know, I, and again, I don't know if American Alpha is going to make any difference in the ratings whatsoever if you promote their return. But I just don't think um, I, I think it wouldn't hurt, certainly. And so, uh, you know, I thought their return it wasn't a big enough deal really to be honest and then beating them that quickly uh you know that was their first loss obviously since coming to smackdown Mm, not sure if i'd done that but i'm cool with it in a sense that i think we're gonna get to where we need to be which is the usos as champions and american alpha chasing and i'm fine with that my issue and i've written this a hundred times i feel on the website i think i've said it before in this show is I think they made a mistake by marrying 
the Heath Slater storyline to the tag team title storyline. Yeah. I think those, those could have been two separate storylines, you know, for, I mean, SmackDown's doing a great job right now. Make no mistake about it. It's a better show than raw consistently on a weekly basis, but you know, if you can have two good storylines instead of one, that's a good thing. And I, and I think, you know, Slater, you know, they should have found a different way for him to earn the contract. Number one, um, going back to what you said about the promotion, you would have thought that they could have at least put together a commercial to air during Raw 24 hours before American Alpha's return. So I agree. Social media, it's not really cutting it. I mean, I know they... I know WWE thinks that social media is the, the main way to get to their audience, and it is definitely in this day and age one of the, the main ways, but there's also a lot of wrestling fans out there, as we've seen with people struggling to sign up for the network early on in its history, that are kind of slow as it relates to technology. Uh, I think the average age of a wrestling fan, isn't it? It's close to like late 30s, early 40s now. Which, yeah, it's a little older than you or I. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I mean, we're not we're not talking really old here, but they they have a substantial uh, part of their audience that's you know over that age. Uh, if the median age is around there, half their audience is over that. So um, they have really no idea. I'll give you an example. I have um, a friend. Well, he's dating. This man is dating my grandmother. So he's an older guy. He's in his eighties. Huge wrestling fan. He has no idea how the WWE network works. Doesn't even, I mean, he watches the shows every week. He barely knows what it is. Do you think he's checking his social media? No, but he tapes, he tapes every time he thinks it's going to be a good show. He tapes it. He loves American Alpha. If he would have known in advance. Does he really tape it or does he DVR it? No, he tapes it. He has a VHS still. No way. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. He's in his 80s. So I don't think he knows how to work DVR. Uh, there's also probably not a very good community ch- and stuff. Well, I mean, there's probably not a very good chance he's going to listen to this podcast either. So I don't have to feel very weird talking about him. Okay. But, <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, he's out with my grandmother a lot. And uh, he'll always mention he's taping the wrestling show if there's something on there that he thinks was going to be good. Well, he, he would have had no idea American Alpha was coming back this week because there was no promotion by them on the show the night before. So that's, that's a missed opportunity. So that's the first point. Right. The second point is I completely agree with you about Rhino and Heath Slater. It seems like kind of a waste. If you're trying to establish these new tag team titles and you put them on kind of just a placeholding team to be the first champions, uh, and then you're going to hot shot them right over to the Usos. It seems like a great point. Yeah. It seems kind of kind of pointless in establishing the belts, but I agree with you. The natural program is the Usos holding the belts as heels, which we got to say. By the way, the Usos have been awesome as heels. I have I have not cared about their characters in I don't know how long. But now when they're on TV, I actually want to watch them. So it shows what a heel turn can do for dead-end characters. Roman Reigns, for well, example. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I wrote. I'm like, you know, when I watch the Usos and how seamless the transition was to the heel role, it makes me think, why would you not do the same thing with Roman Reigns when it would be 100 times hotter? Bingo. They could have had a faction, a heel faction yes. when they were both on the same yeah, show. I thought the same thing yeah. that he, they could be kind of his, you know, I don't want for lack of a better term, lackeys. What a waste. But hey, Roman Reigns is floundering over there on the B show. And we're talking about SmackDown. That's the A show, as we both agree. SmackDown has been the by far the better show the last several weeks. And uh, the other the other portion of the show I wanted to mention actually let off the broadcast. Um you had Alexa Bliss doing the contract signing with Becky Lynch. And anyone who has listened to this show knows that I am becoming a huge Alexa Bliss fan. 
and I think she is just doing awesome stuff. She's a fresh face in the women's division. What did you think of that contract signing? I thought it was a very effective segment, especially when you juxtapose it to what's going on in the Raw division. Yeah. You've got... I want to mention Becky first, then I'll get to Alexa. Because Alexa did a fantastic job, and I think Becky did a good job too. Compared to Sasha Banks on Raw, Becky is such a better babyface character. Mm -hmm. Sasha is just a performer who happens to be really popular with the fans, but she's not a good babyface character. We've been over this a hundred times before I feel on the show. Yeah. She, her promos come off as heelish. And I know, you know, there's some people say, Oh, well, the rock came across as heelish in his promos in 1990. It's like, we're going to compare Sasha Banks to the rock in 1999. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Becky is just, she's just innately likable in, in that role. I mean, it's really hard not to like Becky. Uh, and Alexa then, who, you know, obviously only, you know, she's only been on the main roster once. I thought she really, really did a great job with her promo here. I mean, we talked last week how she started to show some stuff in the ring. Uh, they gave her time to shine in that six-pack challenge at Backlash. This promo was really, really good, I thought. Um, she's kind of got that rolled down. I, you know, I don't know if you're allowed to say these things anymore. I noted in my review that she's got, you know, that girl in high school who, like, you know, you're like, please don't share your opinion on this. But like, you know, she's like still kind of hot. So you just sort of like give her a pay. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it because I thought we might get some sexism complaints. <laughs> but well, I did actually, laugh at the I line in your report. Into it. You know, it was kind of fun. I, I wanted to mention that I was really glad that my wife wasn't home during that segment because when Alexa did the whole, you know, Eddie Guerrero trick, even though I guess she did it slightly different than Eddie does it. But, you know, when she did the uh, kick dirt uh, back on Becky routine that Eddie made famous. Remember, you, you always kick the fake dirt on somebody. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, I'm glad my wife wasn't home because if, you know, she heard the things I was saying, well, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> but now she just came home and now I, I had to temper my enthusiasm over Alexa Bliss. <laughs> yeah, it was a great segment. She's sitting right here and I feel really awkward. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Alexa is the best, the best heel uh, female wrestler on either roster at this point. I feel she has well, already surpassed as far as mic work goes. She has surpassed Charlotte on the mic. Um, I don't know about that. Ring work wise, she's not where Charlotte is, but oh, I think I think she not. is a far more believable heel. And I have been very complimentary to Charlotte recently. I said a couple weeks ago on the show that I really liked what she was doing with her character. Um, she's grown a lot in the mic because a few months ago she was really, really bad. Um, but when I watch Alexa, whether it was this week to open the show or on Talking Smack last week, I think she is she's surpassed Charlotte. On mic work, that's my opinion. Oh, that's pretty strong. I um, I really liked, too, I wrote this in the report, how after Becky got hit by the folder or whatever that had the contract in it, had the uh, table tipped on her, she didn't just lay there like a goof. She actually went after Alexa, which that might seem like a very simple thing, but it's really effective, and it makes the people get behind the babyface character instead of just like laying there because... You know, realistically, if you just get hit with a folder or whatever, you're that's, not going to be like yeah. knocked unconscious and like stretched out. That's my that was my thought when uh, that happened. I was looking at it from a logic perspective, and I'm thinking like, okay, she got hit in the head with a folder and a table tipped on her. She better get up and go after her. She's going to look really weak right now. The segment really got over too because you had, you know, the baby face and the heel playing their roles very very well. Yeah, and I don't think Alexa's going to go over the pay per view. I don't. No, I don't either. But 
you know, she's done a great job and she's got room to grow here and she's got an opportunity and she's doing a good job with it. I, the, the big heel, you know, you talk when you talk about the heel pecking order among the women in the WWE roster, when Eva Marie comes back, I think that's the big heel um, foe for Becky Lynch. Yeah, but I mean, as far as Mike work goes, Eva versus Alexa, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's going to yeah, be Eva, close. She struggles. Yeah, she, she's got a great presentation, but yeah. Who else? Who else would rival Alexis heel mic work? Charlotte and nobody else. No one else really. So I, I just I think she's better on the mic than Charlotte at this point. I think I'm, I am very impressed with what she's been doing. I never thought when when they turned her heel originally in NXT, I thought I don't know how this girl is gonna do as a heel. She had that like super bubbly, literally bubbly. She came out in blue bubbles in her entrance. She mm-hmm. wore blue. I'm thinking like she does not seem like a heel, but. She has really increased her value to the company over the last it's several funny. months. It's funny. Did you notice the story they were telling, too? Uh, oh, Becky and Alexa? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Becky, you're not a champion. You don't look like a champion. Yeah. It's funny. I think that's going to act – as much as I kind of rolled my eyes at first, I think that's really going to work um, because part of the crowd's going to resent that that's what they think WWE thinks. Well, and I think uh, WWE, because of Total Divas, they have a whole new generation of women fans, kind of younger women and girls in high school types that are now watching the show. And that whole interaction they had was totally like high school girl drama. And that's I think that's why they wrote it. It's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that mm-hmm. draws that crowd in. It worked, though. I mean, yeah. we can we'll get to the raw women's division and all its many pitfalls right now. Um, and there's one coming. Oh boy, I, there's something that I think I've figured out that if you haven't prepared to be very disappointed. But uh, yeah, this this was good. I, I thought overall, when you look at SmackDown, it's funny by the way that we didn't even reference the main event players on the show, and it took me a while my report to get to them. And that's the sign of a really good show, I think. That you've got you know for a show that has this alleged depth issue. It had a lot of good things going on. I think they really benefit actually from having a smaller roster. They obviously benefit from just being two hours instead of three. But I think that, you know, the writing staff could take a look at who they have and they can add depth to them. Everything seems to mean something on SmackDown as opposed to Raw, where you wonder why did they just do that? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think SmackDown, the, the booking, it reminds me of... Um... You know, when people talk about the Attitude Era, we've talked about how you go back and watch it, and it doesn't age well a lot. But the one the one good thing about the Attitude Era was when you would turn, tune into Monday Night Raw at that point in time, like everyone on the show had a solid storyline behind them, whether it was Steve Austin or the Oddities. And that's the way I feel when I watch SmackDown. Yes. I feel like everybody has solid direction. There's a storyline that you're somewhat invested in. You know what's going on. Raw feels like just... Lately, especially, like they had this 10-man tag match this week where it was just completely thrown together for no reason whatsoever. I don't feel like you get matches like that on SmackDown. There's a lot more direction. And it feels, it, when, direction's a great word to use there because it, I think on the SmackDown side of things, they know where they're going long-term. Yeah. More so than Raw. And I'll be honest, I mean, I have no proof of this, but it just seems that Vince interferes less on SmackDown. I don't know if the, I don't know if the chairman gets a little too tired after Monday or what. But well, I think Raw's still kind of his baby and SmackDown. Yeah, is, I just, to him, I SmackDown that, is always going to be the B show. Yeah, but I, I just feel that, you know, there's probably fewer cooks in the kitchen. And that's a good thing with SmackDown, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's by no means like the greatest wrestling show I've ever seen. But 
it's the beauty is in the simplicity, especially again when compared to Raw. Yeah. So like you said a second ago, Kyle, you had uh, Ambrose and Cena in the main event, which was the really heavily promoted portion of the show, I guess. And uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't haven't even talked about it because there was so much else on the show that was great. I mean, that was probably the third best match on the show, I would say. I thought it was not as good as the tag or the Miz Ziggler. Yeah. So, I mean, it was decent, but it came out at the end. And by then, I, I, I really liked the show already. But by the time the main event started, I, I honestly was like, all right, this has been a good show. I'm, I'm kind of getting ready to wind down for the night. And, oh, here comes John Cena and Dean Ambrose. Like, I kind of forgot that even was coming on, which is a sign of a good show, I guess, because I was entertained throughout. But Yeah, uh, it felt that they were running low on time. Yeah. You know, it felt like the early stuff in the show must have gone long because that women's tag, I don't know if that was originally how it was supposed to be booked, but that was, I mean, they even cut the intros out and everything, which, you know, pains them to do. Uh, And then this just, they kind of just went right to the standard, you know, um, trade finishers that you get in Cena matches now. Um, They went to that pretty quick Mm -hmm. in this match. Uh, I thought it was good. Uh, It really says something to me. When Cena's barely mentioned at all in the two hours, he just kind of comes out. He's still over. Uh, I don't think anyone can really complain about John Cena anymore because he just did another job. It was a roll-up, but still he lost clean. Mm -hmm. So Ambrose countered the attitude adjustment into a roll-up for the clean victory right in the middle of the ring. Yeah. I I, I just don't think anyone can really um, complain about John Cena anymore. I like him more than Dean Ambrose, by the way. At least as a baby face. I do too. I am not a Dean Ambrose fan. Yes, that that's very true. The very polarizing figure in the internet wrestling community, <laughs> Dean Ambrose. Well, please don't lump me in with the internet wrestling community. Okay. I know we all I, probably are, but yeah. I'll say this. I'm really <laughs> glad that they are kind of just doing the one-on-one match with AJ next week and not like saving that for Survivor Series because I that's not a match that I'm like head over heels in love with. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I think in, in SmackDown, I know the ratings were super disappointing this week. They just came in um, kind of before we went on the air or we started taping, I should say. Uh, they're really disappointing. Next week with an announced world title match and Raw going against not just football, but the presidential debate. SmackDown's got a chance, I think, maybe to beat Raw next week. Yeah, I think doing, so. Uh, Styles and Ambrose. By the way, AJ was another guy whose role was somewhat minimized throughout the show. And I said, this is my report. That's okay to do for one week. Cause with WWE TV, these guys get so overexposed. They just get thrown on there and they have to do something just for the sake of doing it. And you know, eight times out of 10, it makes you kind of want to see them less. So mm-hmm. I'm totally cool with the, um, uh, with that, with, you know, maybe keeping the main eventers just to one segment or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, what he had a backstage segment and then, uh, he ran out right yeah. at the conclusion of the main event. Uh, Cena was on the floor, kind of looking astonished that he lost clean. And uh, AJ ran through the crowd, springboarded off the ringside barrier, hit the flying that forearm. Cool. That was a cool spot. It was it was unexpected. Came out, crowd popped, hit uh, Cena with that, jumped in the ring, and uh, well, he hit the Pele kick on Ambrose, I believe. Yes. yes. Which brought out Daniel Bryan and... Uh, he announced they weren't going to wait for this uh, rematch that Ambrose has for the world title. And then, of course, when he announced the match was going to happen next week, the crowd booed unmercifully because they wanted to see it there. Which, I got to tell you, 
when is WWE going to learn that when they're going to announce a match like that, just don't do it on the live mic in front of the crowd. Have the announcers announce it or something. I don't know. Announce it backstage and don't show the live crowd because they hate it. They hate it. They want to see the match there. Yeah, this the always happens. Time, though, if you're the live crowd, did you really think you were going to get that match? I mean, oh, like, yeah. No kidding. I mean, did you know? I mean, SmackDown, <laughs> I mean, it's a live show. It's 10 o'clock, folks. I mean, what are you going to do? But, but Sometimes no, they I, do it I, at I the mean, beginning of the show, though, and they'll be like, and eh, this will happen next week. And then the crowd boos, and it's just, I don't know. It comes off bad. It's actually I hate that. better to do it at the end, I feel. Yeah. Because yeah. then the crowd's like, oh, okay, you know, it kind of sucks we don't get that, but we got the show. And it, yeah, it's really bad when they announce at the beginning of the show and the crowd just like, oh, dang it, <laughs> this thing that I want to see is not going to happen right in front of me right Turn now. Turn the crowd yeah. on them right I away. I agree with that. That goes back years. Yeah. So you had mentioned the ratings, and SmackDown did 2.2. I can pull the actual figures here. It was like 2.2 some million viewers, which was down quite a bit from last week where they were uh, neck and neck with Raw, actually. So, yeah, I think Raw Raw was at uh, 2.6 million this week, I believe. Uh, let's see. 2.69 million last week, 2.68 million this week. So they they stayed roughly the same against uh, Monday Night Football this week. But SmackDown, yeah, they dropped quite a bit. They really weren't even close to topping Raw. That so. surprised me. Yeah. They, I mean, as much as the ratings increase kind of was a pleasant surprise last week, this was... I mean, this is disappointing, no doubt about it, because there's no football to blame. Um, I don't know what to blame is. I mean, the show last week was good. Mm -hmm. They're in a good direction from No Mercy. You know, you had John Cena promoted in the main event. Yeah, that's what you would have thought would have possibly popped the rating a little bit. I'm a little, I'm scratching my head on this one, what what it could have been. I mean, the only thing I can think is maybe just some, you know, uh, not anxiety, but what's the term I'm looking for? Leftover from Raw, just like discontent. Like you know, people were just like, yeah, yeah. People just didn't like Raw, and they just didn't want to check out SmackDown. Raw was just everything about Raw was a show with like nothing. They're not looking towards the future whatsoever. You know, you got Kevin Owens losing to Roman Reigns in the main event. Is is Roman Reigns now in the world title picture or the universal title picture? I should say again, or is he in the U.S. title picture? He seems to be going back and forth. I don't even know if they're looking to the present. Forget about the future on Raw. Yeah, I just I don't I don't understand anything that's going on Raw. Like the Clash of Champions card. Like I look at it on paper, and I'm sure you're the same way. There's a lot of people that are probably the same way. They look at them and they're like, oh, this is a pretty good card. But I feel that had they just announced that card randomly, you know, on social media or something, like with no television, I'd be just as interested in it as I am now. Maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. The TV, and this is a problem with WWE, That's a, the TV has actually made me less interested in the pay-per-view. Yeah, just because the show's been so bad the last two weeks. Yeah. The last two weeks in particular, Raw's been pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, they. I guess we should look at the cards since this weekend is the pay per view. Yet again, this is what our this is our third pay per view in four weeks or something like that, or two and three weeks. The two and three second weeks? and three weeks. Yeah, yeah. there was not on Sunday, but No Mercy was or pardon me, Backlash uh, was uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, two and three weeks and three. No and- Mercy's coming up when when Morrow uh, was like, "Yeah, we're you know two weeks from Sunday is No Mercy." I'm like, "Geez, these things are coming fast." By the way, Morrow. Oh, God, I don't know what's happened to him. He's kind of been off his game. I think he, I think that's an issue of him being dragged down by the people around him. They they got to get Otunga off that show. Otunga he's is horrible. Awful. He, he's not like the worst announcer I've ever heard in WWE television. I mean, they're <laughs> it's not bad saying much. Go back. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been listening to some podcasts recently where they've been talking about some some of those guys they stuck on the house shows. 
Wow. I mean, like the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. Oh, I mean, God. I'm going way back with that. Yeah. Uh, but he's certainly like the most pointless. Just, like nothing he says is like, it's not, you know, it's not that what he says is bad. It's just like worthless. Well, it's just, I just hate the dynamic of a three-man announce team. I think two yeah, is the right talk, number. Yeah. And JBL seems so uninspired. I think he, I don't think he either doesn't like Moro or he, really liked Michael Cole or he just doesn't like being on SmackDown and he's upset that Corey Graves got a spot, but God, it, like JBL can be okay at sometimes if he, when he's not just repeating Vince McMahon things, mm-hmm. but God, he's been awful. I used Smackdown. to be, he used to be really good when he first transitioned to being an announcer. Um, but it's been years since he's been any good and oh, he's yeah, just yeah, yeah. progressively getting started worse. on Smack. Like when he, like, when he when they first threw him in that role, I mean, are you talking like oh six? Yeah, mid two thousands. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, and he would just you kind of felt like he was saying whatever he felt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, now he's just like, I don't know. He seems like he's just like drunk or something. And like doesn't care. <laughs> Red in the face. But more, yeah, Moro. God, he's just. I don't know if he's trying too hard with the references and the, um, what do you call it? alliteration? But Jesus. I don't know if there's anything else going on or if he's been tweeting about it at all because I I had to unfollow him a while back because he retweets everything. Oh, geez. I was going to say, yeah, if you want to retweet, there's two people to go to, Big Van Vader and Moro Ronaldo. (laughs) So I have no insights from his social media at all. Uh, Yeah, let's take a look real quickly here because we actually are going to bring on Abby Arthur, our uh, resident New Japan expert here in just a couple minutes to talk some New Japan. So. Let's uh let's finish up here with the WWE discussion. Look at the Clash of Champions card for this Sunday and maybe quickly give some predictions. Uh so it looks like in the kickoff match, well, this should be an easy one. We got Alicia Fox and Nia Jax. Gee, I wonder who's gonna win that one. I don't know why you waste your time <laughs> with this even as a pre-show match. I think it's insulting even in that role. Like who like I'm sure, you know, God bless her. I'm sure she's a nice girl and her family's out there rooting for, her, but who really like even cares enough to like really want alicia fox to get her revenge which would be a dumb idea anyway but this, this is something that has no business even on a pre-show i hope yeah. they put enzo and Cass on this card by the way even if it's just to get their heat back over the shining stars mm-hmm. yeah uh we got Sami Zayn and jericho uh that should be a pretty good match yep um i feel personally that Zayn needs the win jericho doesn't uh although jericho has been great lately what do you feel outcome of that one it depends what they have lined up for zane you know in a perfect world they wouldn't have beaten him a couple weeks ago on raw he would win here and then be owen's challenger in a big blow off in hell in the cell but i don't think that's the plan yeah so, i just i just feel like zane's been lost so much in the shuffle since he him and owens had that great match during the summer and then he was what he was basically left off the summer slam card. I think they added him on a, a kickoff show match or something at the yeah, last second. With Neville. Yeah, that's right. But it was, I don't know, blown opportunity. He had some momentum coming out of that. Here's the, if they don't, if they don't have anything for him though, I don't know why you would put him over. Well, where's, where is uh, Jericho going? I mean, why, yeah, I why get him to win? Palling around Owens, I guess, who's yeah. the champion. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you could you, you could convert a a Zayn victory over Jericho, who's Owens' buddy, into Zayn coming after the title. Oh yeah, that's absolutely what I do. But they they've already beaten him. That's why you yeah. know I think we did this a couple weeks ago. I complained about them doing that match on Raw. Mm-hmm. Well, it hasn't stopped them before. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I, I just think with the hell in this. Well, although I think I figured something out. We'll get to this later. All right. Uh, you, you know, 
with Hell in the Cell, there needs to be a reason for that match to take place. And I just think, you know, settling the blood feud, although they don't do blood, but you know what I mean, yeah. of, of Zayn and Owens would be great. Well, even just some subtle hints, you know, where you don't have to do it right now, but just to keep in the back of people's minds, like you could have a backstage segment where, uh, you know, Zayn passes Owens and he mentions, oh, I just beat your buddy last week or something like just to kind of keep them interacting for a match down the road. You're preaching to the converted. I just don't think Vince is among the converted. Yeah. Um, okay, here's one bone I got to pick with Raw. So our next match for Clash of Champions is TJ Perkins defending the Cruiserweight belt against Brian Kendrick, who won a four-way on Raw in the Cruiserweight division oh, debut cool. to get the title shot. Why in the hell was TJ Perkins not on Raw? I don't know. How little sense does this make? They got a three-hour show. The guy just won the belt last week on the the Cruiserweight Classic. They've been promoting the debut like crazy. And then the top guy, or the so-called top guy, because he holds the belt, isn't even on the show. I I can't explain it. That presentation was awful. Uh, There's just no way to sugarcoat The match, hats off to the four guys involved, because they did get the crowd into it, I think, with their work a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But, man, were they fighting from behind that whole time. God bless Mick Foley. Love him. I've always been a fan of his work for the years. I thought he did an awful job on the introductions. He was out there forgetting his lines, and he was flustered. It just kind of came across as like, well, these guys are small, but by God, give them a chance. Uh, yeah. I hope they don't have to tone their stuff down, because in that case, it's just going to come across as a jobber weight title. Because the thing is, we see a lot of cool moves in the heavyweight match, you know, I mean, Seth Rollins is a Tope Conilo every match. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like when Ray and psychosis first came up to the, you know, in, in the WCW and, you know, you, you compared that to like what Hulk Hogan was doing at the time, you know, I mean, that was obviously very, very different. Um, yeah. You know, you just don't want to make these guys work kind of a similar style of everyone else on the roster um, because then the point is kind of lost. I, uh, TJ, obviously, I mean, you can't turn you can't change the title right now. There'd just be no reason to do that. I question having Kendrick as the contender because he's, I think people who are maybe not sold on the cruiserweight division didn't watch the cruiserweight classic. Like, oh, this guy from seven years ago that never really did much is right. the number yeah. one contender. Yeah. I, why not just announce a rematch of the final? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I was very, very disappointed, especially with the placement on the show at 1020 doing it. Well, the hour that everyone I, tunes out for. Yeah, typically. I thought they'd forgotten about it. I honest to God was debating. I'm like, are they going to forget about the cruiserweights? Mm-hmm. And then we have Cesaro taking on Sheamus in the best of seven, the final match of the best of seven series. So all of the um, people over on the Reddit squared circle forum that were freaking out about Cesaro was getting buried by Sheamus. Here we are now. Like we said, he is the 04 Boston Red Sox. He's coming back from three Oh down. And uh, I don't see any way of doing this other than putting Cesaro over. I think if Sheamus goes over, this is a massive mistake. I know you're a little higher on Sheamus than I am, Kyle, but um, who do you think is going to win? Well, I'm higher on the sense that I just think he's a good hand in the ring. Uh, I'm not high on him enough to say that he should win here because he shouldn't. You know, we talked about the SummerSlam card a few weeks ago, how they had some real crowd-killing finishes early. If Sheamus went over, that'd be a crowd-killing finish, in my opinion. Uh, They've hyped a championship opportunity, quote-unquote, goes to the winner. I don't know if that means a universal title match or a U.S. title match. Regardless, I think there's a good chance that both of those champions are heels coming out of this show. 
So that points to Cesaro winning. This is the one match on the show, and I believe the only match on the show, where the TV has actually gotten me actively interested in it. They've done a good job throughout. Yeah. Yeah, definitely solid matches throughout. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then we have... all right. We can't gotta... see Cesaro headlining against Kevin Owens at Hell in the Cell, can we? I mean, I wouldn't be against it. Don't get me wrong, but... I doubt it. Okay. Yeah. I doubt they'll do it that quick. And it would have been nice, like you said, for them to mention which title are we talking about here. Well, because I think that's the polite way of saying U.S. title. Yeah. Uh, then we have... All right, this one I've got a pretty strong opinion on. You have the New Day defending the belts yet again against Anderson and Gallows. And we've talked a lot about how the the ball has really been dropped on uh, the former Bullet Club here. Uh, I see no way how you can't finally put the belts on them at this point. New Day has lost so much steam. They've had the belts for over a year now. I loved them for a long, long time. If you go on Top Rope Press and you search uh, my Five Thoughts pay-per-view columns, many months last year I was saying they were carrying the show, the most entertaining thing on the show. But I, I'm i not buying it anymore. The New Day Act has, has gotten really, really old, worn out that welcome, and we need a switch here with the belts. Yes, we do. I am really, really terrified we're not going to get it. <sighs> really terrified. It's... Remember they were like promoting like they were record setting champions and that was dropped. Yeah. They were like kind of embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Like I would not be like they were like, oh, I guess we were wrong. You know, they were referencing the tag titles that the version that the New Day has, you know, the demolitions, the longest running. Although I corrected them right away. I got kind of annoyed at that. But yeah, whatever. That's what people who write columns on about wrestling on the Internet do. I think I would not put rule it out that the WWE would spite all of us and have the New Day break demolitions record. Yeah, it could happen. Which is a huge mistake because Enzo and Cass are the hotter baby-faced tag team right now. Right, so new, that's, new why, you, the, yeah, that's why you drop the, them to uh, Gallows and Anderson and then they can yes, be the go-between. Yes, they should have done that already. I, I, I'm worried that the ship has sailed on Gallows and Anderson. I can just picture Vince McMahon looking at them and just being like, ah, you know, yeah. big deal. The the New Day are the classic example of a hot heel act that becomes popular and just becomes like toned down as baby fa- and just like loses its coolness as baby faces. Yeah. So I was saying what I would do. Uh, do I think Gals and Anderson are going to win? Everything I've seen in the last several months tells me no, but I'm going to hold out some hope that they're they're actually going to move. If the belts they don't, here. I don't know what you do with them. No. Yeah, they got they got to get something here. You got to throw them a bone. So. I'll take them out of some hope that they're going to do what's right and put the I belts so. on them and then uh, go right into a feud with, uh, like you said, Enzo and Cass. But we'll, we will see. And that, I'll say this. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any other title changes, so that might be the only thing that helps them. That's true. That's that's true. Which we're getting to the other title match. I, I guess that gives away my Good. predictions. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, <laughs> way to give it away, Kyle. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I know you people hate spoilers. So let's go right into the Raw Women's Championship match. So Charlotte defending against Sasha and Bailey. All right, if I'm booking this, it's an easy one. Uh, this is where you, we've talked a lot about it on the show. This is where you turn Sasha. You have some kind of confusion in the end of the match that gets uh, Charlotte to retain. You have Sasha and Bailey go at it, and Bailey's obviously the babyface in this situation. Then you have Sasha. Uh, with her more natural heel character, and she can finally go heel now that Bailey can carry the face side. What do you think? 
I really like when you have started statements with if I was booking. So <laughs> during this portion of the program. So in other words, but, that means probably not going to happen. Yeah, but. unfortunately, though, that leads me to be the bad guy who says, well, you're not booking and WWE is. And I have one of the most awful sinking feelings about this whole scenario that I've had in some time. I think I teased this earlier. I yep, did. You enough. did. Yes. I think they're going to do the unthinkable. I think they're going to put Dana Brooke in the top baby face role on the Raw women's side. <laughs> and if they do that, Ryan, oh that is the God. worst bit of talent evaluation. I thought they were punishing Dana, though. Ever. <laughs> it I'm seemed so, like they, they were completely disappointed. So we're, we're not WWE on Top Rope Nation, okay? We exist that there's an outside world, okay? There's other wrestling shows out there. And this is what got me to think about this this week. You know, Meltzer doesn't have the inside scoops that he necessarily used to, okay? But he has really been cryptically for months harping on, oh, WWE, they really think this Charlotte versus Dana Brooke is the great program. And he, like, brings it up a lot. And I guess he could be wrong. But if you look at the television, I started to look, and, and I was paying attention a lot this week when it was going down. That feud has been pushed a lot harder than the actual title match against Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, Even I mean, the yeah. I think they could still turn Sasha heel. I absolutely agree with the scenario you laid out. That's what they should do. I have a horrible feeling, though, that Charlotte's going to retain and that Dana Brooke is going to be put in the role of chasing contender. It's pretty clear they are going for the I mean they're the gonna do Charlotte that Charlotte Dana thing, yeah, but I just think that Vince McMahon and I, I really hope I'm wrong. Like I, I I do this sometimes like when I watch like when I'm betting on football games, like I just start like ripping on the team I bet on so that like when they come back that I feel good about myself. But <laughs> I just I look at Vince McMahon, he's like, Oh, this Bailey and Sasha, the we can use them whenever. They'll always be over. You know, that's not a good Vince impression, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but Dana Brooke is the star in his eyes, and I just have a really lousy feeling about it. I could see Dana coming out and costing Charlotte yeah, that, the that's belt. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yes, and then that's, that's what I'm hoping. And yes. then they go into that. But if if you have the face Dana Brooke, then you have face Sasha Banks, you have face Bailey, you have Charlotte as really the only heel that matters in the female roster over there, I guess, at that point. Well, um, you have Nia Jax. Nia Jax her, but, but that's that's yeah. long view. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, something's coming with Dana. If they actually think Dana's going to be the top face, especially with Bailey on the roster, I, I don't know. I don't think they think she's going to be the top face. Dude, I, I think they do. I think I don't they think, really I, do. I don't. I cannot imagine that. Okay, let me change. Let me let me add an addendum to that comment. Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn think Dana Brooke is going to be the number one baby face on the Raw side. Everyone else, I'm sure, in that building, including Triple H, is probably like, what in God's name is going on here? <laughs> but we've said on this show that we even it has looked like they have been burying Dana on TV, like they're mad at her because she's horrible, even though it was it their fault for did. bringing her up too early. Yeah, it did. But man, they're... <sighs> They've done kind of an about face with that the last two weeks, it feels. I don't know. I really, I really hope. The thing is, they played, you know, they've changed the titles a couple times when they didn't need to. And I'm also wondering, are they going to change it again? Yeah. Well, we've talked about that, how Sasha should have never lost the belt if she was only mm-hmm. going to miss a few weeks, anyways. But yeah, we'll see what happens Sunday. Uh, we got the U.S. title match, Rusev defending against Reigns. You, well, you said you don't think anything's going to change in the title picture. So. Ah, Rusev keeping the title then? 
I don't know. At first glance, I thought they'd be putting Reigns over here, just based upon his positioning on the shows lately. Yeah, but you know about the old the the rule of when Raw ends, right? Well, I guess you know what's funny though. Here's the thing: he won the cage match against Owens mm-hmm. by escaping the cage, which is like what a pointless main event that was. You yeah. beat your like, although. Let's talk about the two matches at once here for the sake of maybe. All right. Save it, some time here. So yeah, this yeah. one and then the Owens the, Rollins then the Owens, match. Owens is absolutely beating Rollins. There's no denying that in my mind. I think the only way you can get any – and <laughs> Rollins could be in trouble. I think the only way you can get any heat on him at all coming out of that loss is if you have Triple H reappear and cost him the match. Yeah. Um, that That's maybe – you know, I can, and I can see Triple H being called into duty with some of these low ratings uh, that have come in the last couple of weeks. But uh, so Reigns went over in that cage match by escaping. And you have to wonder, what was the point of doing that if they're not going to have Reigns go after Owens again? I mean, he beat the world champion in a cage match, even if it was the lame escape rules. Yeah. Do they use that? This is the only way that that Raw main event is the least bit logical. Do they use that win as a way? to have Reigns challenge Owens at Hell in a Cell, a big cage match where there's no escape and the title will be on the line. Yeah, I could see that. Now, keep in mind that you would then have to throw logic out the window because Reigns will have lost a U.S. title match and is now getting a world title match. Um, but that's the only way I think you can justify that Raw ending. So... I'm going to say shenanigans and Reigns comes up short. Okay. Owens absolutely beats Rollins, right? I, I agree on Owens. I, I, I don't think that's a problem with this Clash of Champions show, I think. I mean, who in the hell thinks Seth Rollins is going over? Yeah. No chance. I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm going back and forth on this Rusev-Reigns match, so I can, I can see it happening either way. Uh, would they be disciplined enough to keep Reigns as the U.S. champion? I don't know. I mean, he could be the U.S. champion and still challenge Owens. Yeah, I guess. But then what's the point? I don't know. What's the point of him being U.S. champion if he's just going to chase the world champion? Yeah. Yeah, looking at the belts. Well, if the tag belts don't switch, the universal belt doesn't switch, the women's, if they're going to do any cruiserweight championship isn't going to switch. Yeah, what's the most likely belt to switch? There's only three that could. Women's, U.S., and tag. Yeah, I think the U.S. would be the most likely of those. Wow, okay. I was going to say the... I would... uh, Hmm. I think the women and tag may... eh, I guess it's Reigns. It's it's only because it's Reigns. They don't like to beat him. Yeah. But he got the best of... Rusev and all that previous stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do with Rusev if he's not the U.S. champion anymore? Yeah. I don't know. That is a tough one. Although, this brings us back to the best of seven. If Zayn wins and it's a U.S. title shot, or, uh, sorry, if Cesaro wins and it's a U.S. title shot, then it makes it's a gonna be Rusev. Sense yeah, they're Rusev not gonna, and Cesaro. Yeah. yeah, I'll go with Rusev. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, could, that's what I could see happening. You're right. You're right. I actually had thought of this earlier and had kind of lost, you know, I teased half that point with the Reigns thing. I was so proud of myself for 
Thinking of that. <laughs> then I'd forgotten that, yes, and then that would allow Cesaro to slide up as the U.S. title contender, and those could be your two top matches for Hell in the Cell. I don't know what you do with Rollins, because they're not going to have Triple H working on Raw-only shows, I don't think. Yeah. So what do you do with Rollins? Jericho? So see, Jericho, I think, is going to go over Zayn. Yeah, that's a good point. Rollins is getting left in the shuffle here. Can't switch no, the well, belt, though. Zayn's the one who really gets... I mean, Roll, I mean Jericho is, a, is clearly a consolation prize for Rollins, but, you know, you can't have him losing all these world title matches all the time where he becomes Dave Batista circa 2007. So is Rollins... Uh, let's just close on this on the WWE discussion. Is, is Rollins now full-on face turn? I guess. I mean, he came out in, in his entrance, put his hands up to, like, play into the crowd didn't a little like bit. like how him and Owens didn't start brawling in that first segment. When Rollins came out, they just sort of, like, started chatting to each other and casually passed by. Yeah. What, what a missed opportunity that was. They could have had a nice brawl to open the show, get the crowd going. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. Well, we'll see what happens this Sunday, but WWE is not the only company in the world with some big shows going on. I guarantee on. you will not be as good as Clash 1, I guarantee oh, you, that's... Sunday. It's Clash of <laughs> Champions 1. You, you want to watch a good wrestling show. Oh, yeah. Go to the network and put Flair on Clash and Sting, Champions 45 1. Minutes. Yeah. yeah. Midnight's and the Fantastics. Well... New Japan Pro Wrestling has some pretty big shows going on. Uh, actually, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, they've got a big one uh, late this evening, U.S. time. And uh, there's no one better to bring on the show than the resident New Japan expert uh, here at Top Rope Press. So let's get out on to our international hotline and let's welcome in Miss Abby Arthur. All right, so here we are again, like we said, back after a several-week-long absence. We've had some requests, so we do have Miss Abby Arthur back on the line to talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. How are things going tonight, Abby? Oh, they're going fine after a crazy day. you got a long night ahead of you. Abby, is uh, she's always providing the live results for Top Rope Press for New Japan, and there is a big show tonight. Um, what big matches are on tap? I guess by the time people are... Uh, Listening to this, the show has probably ended. So what's a match you think they are going to need to go back and watch? Um, Let's see. Well, tonight, Yoshihashi is challenging Kenny Omega for his guaranteed title shot at Wrestle Kingdom 11. Omega won for winning the G1 Climax Tournament this summer. Um, They were both like real big standouts during the G1 Climax. Kind of surprising for Yoshihashi. Um, so it's definitely going to be a really good match, even though Yoshihashi has really bad hair these days. <laughs> Worse than Tanahashi's? Okada apparently dared him to dye his hair, saying that it would bring him luck. You know, dye it the same color as Okada's. Okada's got the blonde hair. Well, yeah. Yoshihashi's kind of turned this weird peachy apricot color. It's 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 not good. I he's probably listening to this, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyways. One of my best friends, my buddy Micah, um, he's Asian and uh he dyed his hair when we were in high school and he was going for the blonde too and it totally turned orange, just like you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's not a good I mean Kenny doesn't have great hair, but it's better than, you know, Tacos's hair and you know, I just want Kenny Omega to beat Tacos tonight simply on hair alone. <laughs> 
So, well, actually, the last time we had you on the show, Abby, we were talking about the G1, and uh, we were getting into the, all the possible outcomes on who was going to win, and I had said, I really, really hope Kenny Omega wins, and he actually did. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it was a tough scenario, but he came out on top, so. He did. It was it was surprising in a way and not surprising in another way. I thought that it would either be Naito or Omega. Um, I think that they... I don't know what they're doing. Okada has lost a lot of his shine for me. And I think that them taking the belt off of Naito so soon after he won it, it it didn't do them a lot of favors. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe having Kenny win and, you know, he's got so much charisma and talent and everything. Hopefully they'll be able to do a really solid build heading into Wrestle Kingdom in January because that's what they're starting now and it's just going to keep going. Yeah, I think we both agreed on that show. We thought I wanted Kenny to win, but we thought Naito was was going to come out on top. But uh, yeah, I I, th- I agree. I thought they took the uh, belt off him way too early. They didn't really give him a chance to build much momentum. Uh, yeah, now they're kind of scaling it back. And on Sunday show, which is um, Destruction and Kobe, um, he will face Michael Elgin for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. That should be a good match. Yeah, maybe they're they're t- trying to build Naito back up again to get him back into the heavyweight championship title picture. I'm not sure, but I don't think they ever should have taken the belt off of him. He's the hottest thing in New Japan right now, and I think Gato just made a mistake in the booking of that. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, everyone, uh, Kyle Ross is still on the line, but he's kind of getting lost in confusion right now. So (laughs) Kyle, he's not someone that really follows New Japan, um, just out of time constraints. So I thought it might be entertaining for Abby to try to sell Kyle on subscribing to New Japan World, which is after the conversion, it's it's about, what, eight and a half dollars American. It's about nine dollars and seventy one cents now. It fluctuates. Yeah, it fluctuates between like about eight fifty and nine eighty something a month. See, I I watch New Japan occasionally. I've I've had the service since it was announced, and I just like having it and the option to go back and watch this stuff. But lately, with WWE doing the brand split, it's been hard to have the time to keep up with both products. And I think Kyle, that's where you're at with uh, New Japan and possibly. Yes, I'm actually I was. It's funny. She doesn't need to sell me because I actually was so shamed in our time when we were off air that I'm going to just do it right. I'm actually doing it right now. (laughs) He's currently doing Google Translate. I was like, oh, my God, I've been had. I'm on a weekly podcast. I don't have New Japan World. I'm I'm a joke. I'm actually doing it right now. You know, and sometimes there might be a time when I actually sleep at night and one of y'all might have to be up at stupid o'clock to cover one of the shows. (laughs) Oh, wow. Pawn it off on Kyle's is initiation. Oh yeah, I was gonna. Well, I, I haven't hit submit yet here. <laughs> I've done a couple of reviews in New Japan in the past, mostly. Well, Wrestle Kingdom Nine, I think I I reviewed. Me and my buddies got the broadcast in America that was on tape delay, and we did like a live chat. Uh, yeah, Justin Joint that used to write for the site, and we kind of went back and forth throughout the show, but. You you said it's, Kyle, you ordered uh, uh, Wrestle yeah, Kingdom. Yeah, I've got the Wrestle Kingdoms I've watched. I just do one of these things where I like catch up like in bunch. Like I find out, you know, the the I find out all the good stuff, and then yeah, I I, I have buddies that have it um, that have New Japan World, and then I catch up like months behind and stuff like that. It's I think uh, I'm I embarrassed have, right now. I, I used to be a lot better in the '90s and the to, and the aughts. I think I've sent this to y'all, but there is a. Um... 
a Google Drive that two guys on Twitter maintain. It's called the Real Hero Drive, and it's all the Puro stuff. And they update it regularly. And when I say regularly, normally like a couple of days to a week after the shows are on. And I'm talking all of Japan's promotions, not just New Japan. Because oh. there's that guy, was it Lariato? He has the New Japan must-watch list on Google. No, this is um, Morton VH who um, does the Puro On Demand Twitter account. Okay. Which is a live streaming deal for a bunch of these services and another guy. But it's classic stuff, current stuff, and every promotion from stardom to DDT, Wrestle One, All Japan, Big Japan, New Japan. <laughs> you know, it's everything in Japan. So if I have, I think I've sent it to you. I know I've sent it to Ryan. I'll send it out to y'all again. It's free. It's Google Drive. It's great. You know. Yeah, if if and they have uh, Noah too, which I always forget about Noah, even though you know Suzuki and Marafuji and Yano were stuck in there. Yeah. I'm hoping they, you know, trade Yoshitatsu and Captain New Japan to Noah, but nobody wants to negotiate with terrorists. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was just trying to pull up the list of the guy. I think I might have the Google Drive uh, bookmark, but if you know if Kyle's trying to catch up on some great New Japan only matches. Wasn't his name Senor Lariato on Twitter? He had yes, the Lariato. New Japan. Yes, yeah. it's now Mr. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow him. Yes, that's that's how yes. I – yes, I, I I do follow him. He's got yes, the must Yes, he was one list. that got nailed in the great gif war of SummerSlam, but came back because he had a backup account. So that's what he I was is, just going to say because I back. went to his account and it says suspended. Yes, well, I don't know. I think we touched on this somewhere else, but um, during SummerSlam, WWE went after – Twitter accounts that were gifting SummerSlam live, and there were three big accounts that got nailed and suspended. My God, I hope they don't listen to this podcast. If you hear a raw discussion, Kyle, we might be in trouble. Yeah, no. Uh oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, oh. two of them came back. Another one um, is not coming back. It was so. death to all marks, right? Yeah, DTAM. He got nailed, and he is doing something different. Um, Dino and Lariato are back to work now. They're just not gifting it live. Wow. Well, watch out for the gifts, people. Might throw you in jail. Yeah, New Japan had some stuff out there, too, that were, you know, going after intellectual property and stuff like that. But it was mostly WWE SummerSlam night that was nailing people left, right, and center. Interesting. I had no idea any of this happened. Really? No, I didn't oh, hear it was, about it. But it was happening at the time. Like, I think it was, wasn't it right after, Abby, the, the SummerSlam show? Like, people just started getting up in arms about what oh, happened yeah, to we were... that, I think that's right. Like, it was like, because I think people had given up on the show at that point, and they just started complaining about the gift thing. Yeah, now now it's all coming back to me when that when Yeah, the... after, after the Balor and Rollins match, it kind of sucked all the air out of the show. Because I think so many of us kind of knew that Balor was hurt. Yeah. And... It was just so long and so drawn out. And it was like, oh, my God. And then, you know, accounts started dropping off. It's like, where are people going? And then we started seeing they were suspended. And then it was like, oh, no, 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 this is not good. And wrestling Twitter got up in arms. And, you know, it was free Lariato and free death to all marks. (laughs) You know, it was just ridiculous. It's like. You're going after these people, and it's not like a company is raiding your intellectual property for profit. 
I can't tell you how many promotions that I have been drawn into and how many shows I have paid for because somebody gift five seconds of a match. It's like, well, this makes me want to see your product. Exactly. And a lot of indie companies jumped on the bandwagon and said, hey, we don't have a problem with it. Here's our site. Go give our stuff. Yeah. Because it draws people in. It's free publicity. And I think that's something that WWE just does not recognize. And New Japan to an extent. Yeah, you, you can see that with WWE and YouTube, what they've been doing over the years and mm-hmm. taking down stuff. And I think it really, yeah, like you said, it makes people more likely to tune in. So um, running out of time on this week's episode. So, Abby, here, let me ask you a question. So for Kyle especially, but anyone else that's just getting into New Japan and hasn't seen any of the shows, sorry to shame you again, Kyle, <laughs> over the last couple of I weeks. Swear to God, <laughs> I swear to God, the crown jewel of my tape collection, I had a six-hour Michinoku Pro These Days compilation, only 96, and I wore out that I loved so much. And now I feel so old because I'm referencing things from 1996. It's getting defensive. Yes. <laughs> but We're all the- old. We're all we, we all remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> if Abby, if there is any matches uh, over the last maybe two weeks, let's say that people should go back and see on New Japan World if they haven't seen to get up to date on the product, what would you recommend watching? Well, we've only had one show in the last couple of weeks. After G One, they took a break, and we've got the three big destruction shows now: the one that was last weekend, the one that's tomorrow, and then the one that's Sunday. Um. Tonight's show looks good. I mean, you have a Ring of Honor world title match with Adam Cole and Will Ospreay. That should be an awesome match. Yes. You have the Briscoes and an IWGP heavyweight tag team championship match against the Young Bucks. But I would definitely go back. If you haven't caught up this year, (laughs) basically, (laughs) go back and watch some of the G1 matches. Mm -hmm. Um, Matches like Marafuji versus Okada. And Ishii versus Okada. Um, and Nagata and Nakajima. Um, basically, the B-block matches were a whole lot better than A-block this year for some reason. Ishii and Marafuji from Noah were the shining stars and the saving graces of A-block. But definitely go back and watch the tournament matches. They were incredible. Some of the undercard matches were great too, but definitely watch, you know, the the G one tournament matches because I'll get you caught up up to this point we're at now with the destruction shows. Because now we're kind of dealing with the fallout and moving forward, heading towards Wrestle Kingdom with the shows that are coming up. Well, Kyle. You know, since Marafuji beat Okada in the G one, he gets a shot at the IWGP championship at King of Pro Wrestling on October tenth. Noah and New Japan are having this kind of little invasion war angle happening. So they'll kind of catch everybody up on where things stand right now. Kyle, this is our assignment for next week is for us to have a little bit of New Japan discussion without Abby's assistance guiding us. <laughs> I had a six DVD set of Best of Dragon Gate 2006. Leave me alone. Abby, I got to throw it out there, but I didn't even mention this on the show yet, but I did go to the NXT show in Des Moines last Friday night and I was front row. Oh, I yes. saw your man Nakamura live, oh. and it was it was awesome. Isn't he great? Yeah, I've never seen him live before, so I was pretty pumped about that. I'd always wanted to see him on those uh, joint Ring of Honor shows that New Japan would do, but never got a chance to go. Uh, funny thing though, uh, my wife was there with me. I was shocked that she went to the show to begin with because she's not a really a big wrestling fan, but uh, she had a good time, and she remarked. Uh, 
on Nakamura, like after his entrance and throughout the match, she thought he was like drugged or uh, he looked like he was <laughs> drunk like all the time. And I was like, no, that's that's kind of just how he looks all that's the time. Him. Yeah, <laughs> that's him. If you listen to the podcast he did with Jericho, which to me was great because you get to hear him speak English and not that weird funky accent he does on the next. But he 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 likens himself to wrestling like a noodle. He says that surfing, which, you know, he did in Japan a lot because they lived right on the beach. And here he's like an hour away. But surfing, you know, lets him keep loose and wrestle like a noodle. And he, you know, you see him move and some of the things he does. It's like he doesn't have joints. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of out there. He's kind of different. But that's just that's part of the, you know, swag skay and, yeah, you know, the Nakamura-ness we have in us all. You yeah. Know? It's like, that's why he's so awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, Abby, let's make this more of a regular thing. It's been too long since yes. we've had you on the show. Good discussion. Yeah, that would be fine with me. Wish we had more uh, more time, but I don't know if this if this podcast goes to two hours, we might not get too many listeners. So I'd like to keep it right around an hour, but we will have you back soon. So and hopefully, Kyle, you can join in on the discussion a little bit more. I will. We'll get you caught up. All right. All right. So with that being said, I am Ryan Drosty, joined by Kyle Ross and Abby Arthur. You can follow us all on Twitter. By the way, cheap plugs. I am at historical Ryan. You can follow her at at Abby A. And at TRP Kyle, we will be back with you next week for another edition of Top Rope Nation. And thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>